May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning and welcome to Parkway Fellowship. So glad that you made it to church today. And I also want to welcome our North Campus joining us today by live video feed. Glad you guys are with us as well. And today we're wrapping up our series, Solving Money Problems. Um, when I was a kid, my dad really only gave me one piece of financial advice, and that was it. Uh, he said this, he said, son, learn to live on 70% of your income. Tithe 10%, save 10%, invest 10%, learn to live on the rest. You do that, you'll be fine. That was it. And you know what? He was right. And that's pretty much what I've done for my whole life. Simple, straightforward, and it works. And I honestly, I think that for most of us, when it comes to financial advice, we want something that's simple, straightforward, and that we know is going to work. And most of us, the things that we've learned about finances, we've learned the hard way, right? We haven't learned it the easy way. We've learned it the hard way. You know, by amassing huge amounts of credit card debt, or finding ourselves upside down in a car or in a house, or maybe we've made some bad investments along the way, or we've worked hard for years, but you know, we just don't have much cash sitting in the bank. Very few of us have had somebody sit us down and explain to us the ins and outs about financial decisions. And so consequently, and we know this from our survey that we did a few weeks ago, four out of five families at Parkway Fellowship have debt. Four out of five families have debt. And more than that, unless we learn what God says about money and start, put, start putting it into practice, it's not very likely that much of that's going to change. And even worse, if we don't follow God's principles, we will perpetuate that cycle of bad financial decisions and pass those straight down to our kids, perhaps even to our grandkids. So... At some point, we've got to break the cycle. At some point, we've got to start putting into practice what God says to do financially so that things can change. You know, like my dad did for me by giving me you know, just one key memorable financial tip, so does God through King Solomon, get this, gives us 42 different proverbs about finances. And it is through King Solomon and these Proverbs that God gives us 42 very specific ways that are wise approaches to money as well as gives us pitfalls to avoid when it comes to money. Now, we've already looked at several of these throughout this series, but here's the thing. If we take what God says and we put it into practice, okay, not only will it work, but the truth is, it'll remedy just about every financial mistake that we've made in the past. And more than that, it will break the cycle of bad financial decisions. And we will set up our kids and our grandkids for success in the future. Because, you know, we don't want our kids to struggle financially, do we? No. Now, we obviously don't have time to go through all 42 you know, proverbs that King Solomon gives us. But this morning, we have time to go through six. 
So we're going to go through six of them today, and I'll tell you how you can uh, get the rest uh, when we get to the end. So go ahead and pull out your message notes, and let's look at the pit- pitfalls. So what does God say are the pitfalls to my financial future? Here's the first. Pitfall number one is this. Try as many get-rich-quick schemes as I can. Pitfall number one. Just try as many get-rich-quick get rich quick schemes as I can. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11. It says this, he who works his land will have abundant food, but he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. Aren't you I love how clear God is on this? You know, the wise approach to your financial future is just simply to work hard. And those that try to take the easy way, you know, the quick way, are almost always going to come up lacking. For instance, I got a friend of mine. He does not go to church here at the park. He's always trying these crazy get-rich-quick type of things. He's always doing it. Uh, one time, his idea for how he was going to you know, make tons of money was he was going to buy cars on eBay and then sell them locally. Like, that was his big idea. Well, after he lost $3,000 on the first one, shocker, you know, <laughs> He decided now that his big deal was he, he went to this um, investment seminar where uh, they taught you how to invest in stocks. And if you bought their software, uh, the software would color code stocks according to their trends. It was one color if a stock was trending up, it was another color if it was trending down. And they taught you how to invest using the colors. And if you just follow the colors, man, you could make millions. Well, after investing $3,000 to buy their software... And then another $1,000 to upgrade his computer to run that software. Six months later, he'd made a whopping 300 bucks. I'm telling you, God says that those kinds of get-rich-quick schemes do not work. Okay? These kinds of schemes are like looking for, you know, the next magic weight loss diet pill. Okay? It's like people are wanting to do anything they can to avoid hard work, but they still want the results. I'm telling you, that's not how it goes with weight loss, and that's not how it goes with finances. There is no substitute for hard work. And so God says these get-rich-quick schemes, they're fantasies, and it's a big pitfall. Okay, pitfall number two. Here it is. Number two is this, don't bother with a budget. Don't bother with a budget, you're fine. Spend it how you want to. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 27, beginning verse 23, it says, be sure, now underline the rest of this, know the condition of your flocks, give careful attention to your herds. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks, give careful attention to your herds. Verse 24, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. When the hay is removed and new growth appears and the grass from the hills is gathered in, the lambs will provide you with clothing and the goats with the price of a field. You'll have plenty of goat's milk to feed you and your family. Okay, now, look at that part that I just had you underline. You have to know the condition of your flocks. You have to give careful attention to your herds, okay? Now, since most people listening to me me today don't have flocks and herds of livestock, okay, Let's try to put this in more of a modern context, all right? Because see, you know, back in the ancient world, your flocks and your herds, they were the source of your wealth. 
So if you didn't know the condition of your flocks or your herds, then if something happened to them, then you could lose all of your assets. You could lose all of your wealth and you could go bankrupt very quickly. And the same is true for us. If you don't have a way to keep up with your assets, if you don't have a way to track where your money is going, where it's being invested, how you're spending it, then you're in the dark. You're in the dark about the condition of your finances. And one of the best ways to keep up with your finances is with a monthly budget. Now, how do you know if you really need a monthly budget? Well, if you've ever asked yourself, where'd all our money go? Or, what do we spend our money on this month? If you've ever had those sorts of thoughts, you need to have a budget. Because a budget tells you exactly where every penny was spent. And a budget will give you, you know, the tools you need to decide of where and where you will not cut back. You need to have a monthly budget. And, you know, honestly, and even, even if your finances are in great shape, you still need a monthly budget because a budget will help you keep your finances in great shape and it'll also help you maximize your finances. Now there's lots of really good budgeting software out there. I personally use Quicken software, but I know people that use Mint, they use Ace Money, they use YNAB. You can use any of those software tools. But the point is, have a budget and use it. Okay, now, when you use a budget to keep track of your money. You know what the Bible says the benefit's gonna be? Look what it says in verse 27, it says this. It says, you will have plenty of goat's milk. I mean, do we really need any more motivation than that, right? <laughs> okay, the point of what he's really saying there is that if you give careful attention to your finances, you will have all that you need. If you give careful attention to it, you'll have all you need. So let me ask you. Do you know the condition of your finances right now? Right now, do you have a way, a method for tracking and keeping up with and knowing the condition of your finances? Do you use a monthly budget? If you don't, would you be willing to start one? Because that is the biblical principle to avoiding this pitfall. Okay, pitfall number three, here it is. Work less, play more. Work less, play more. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 33, here's what King Solomon writes. He says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man. Okay, now remember, these are proverbs, these are not promises, okay? Now, a proverb is a saying about something that is generally true given a certain set of circumstances. So, I mean, you know, there's always exceptions, but as a general rule, if you don't work hard, you're not gonna have any money. As a general rule, if you don't work hard, you're not gonna have any money. Which speaks to the value of having a strong work ethic. Okay. Honestly, there's just something very satisfying of knowing that you've worked hard and that when you go home, you can actually be at home because you know you've put in a good, hard day at work. And as a general rule, people with a strong work ethic, 
they do just fine financially. And those who don't, don't. That's what the proverb is getting at. Which means a strong work ethic is something that we need to adopt for ourselves and it's something that we need to pass on to our kids. They need that. And a strong work ethic honors God. So those of you that have learned how to work hard, for those of you that have just learned how to work hard, how did you first learn to work hard? Chances are you learned how to work hard because your parents stopped paying for stuff for you. And they made you start working to pay for it yourself. And then you discovered the joy of when you worked hard for something and you got to buy it for yourself, that that brought you a lot of satisfaction, it brought you a lot of joy, personally. And so, that's what you need to do for your kids. So parents, stop buying everything for your kids. Don't, Don't rob them of the joy of working hard for something and and being able to pay for it themselves. Don't cheat them of that experience. Because here's the deal, if you buy everything for them, you inadvertently teach them not to work hard because someone at some point is gonna eventually come along and provide for them everything that they need. And you don't want that. You might say, wait, but Pastor Mike, I mean, I can afford to buy my kids a car. I mean, I can afford to give them the things that I didn't have growing up. Okay, look, the issue here is not whether you can afford to give your kids stuff, okay? The issue here that we're talking about is teaching your kids the benefits of hard work. I mean, can you not afford to teach them that? No. Because that's what's at stake. Let me just say this. This is especially true for those of you that have like adult kids. Here's the thing. If you've got adult kids, the very best thing that you could do for them is to stop footing their bill and stop bailing them out. It is. Allow them to be in a situation where they have to work and work hard. And if they don't work hard, then honestly, then feeling the consequence of this proverb probably will be the very best lesson that they would ever have. And if you're listening to me today and you are living off of the generosity of someone else, do yourself a favor and stop. Stop. Move out. Get a job. Learn to work hard. Because I'm telling you, the lessons that you will learn will serve you so much better. And you'll be so much better off that it'll be worth foregoing the creature comforts that you would temporarily have to give up. All right. Pitfall number four. Here it is. Number four. Let other people fend for themselves. That's a pitfall, just to let other people fend for themselves. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. It says, he who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. Underline lends to the Lord. And he will reward him for what he's done. Okay, now, now hold on. 
I know, this seems like it's the exact opposite of what I just talked about, okay? Because, you know, before I was like, you know, hey, kick those lazy kids out of the house, man, go get a job. And now it's like, oh, but help people who can't fend for themselves. Okay, look, it, it's different, okay? Because the difference is, is that there are some people that no matter how hard they work, they simply cannot lift themselves out of poverty. And we ought to help them. I'm not talking about enabling somebody else's laziness. So, you know, when I think about people that are in those types of situations that just can't lift themselves up, I, I, mean, I think about single moms. I think about widows. I think about some of our seniors. I think about people that are working multiple jobs that just don't pay very much. I mean, God's saying here, he says, if you help those people, it actually benefits you. You see, when we give money to people that are poor, look what Solomon says here. He says that it's like lending to the Lord. Notice that he doesn't say it's like giving. It's not giving, it's lending to the Lord. Now listen, if you lend money to God, you think he's going to pay you back? Absolutely he's going to pay you back. Now, God may or may not pay you back with money, but the Bible's clear. He will pay you back. And, you know, and he, he might pay you back you know, by helping you be you know, extra close to him spiritually. He might pay you back with a really good deal on a house or on a car. Or he might pay you back with an, uh, somebody doing an unexpected favor. Or he might pay you back with a great business deal that just showed up out of the blue you couldn't possibly anticipate. He might pay you back not in this life but in the next. I mean, who knows how God might pay you back and it doesn't really matter. The point is, is that he says he will pay you back. Because when you help other people, it's like lending to God himself. And he can pay you back in any one of a variety of ways, because he's God. But he will, and that's what the Bible says. So a wise approach to finances is to help other people when they're in need. Now look, this is not the same as your tithe, okay? This is in addition to your tithe, because remember your tithe is the first 10% of your income that you give to God through the local church, and that enables the local church to then turn around and do ministries that help other people. And I promise you, at Parkway Fellowship, we do a ton of things that help a ton of people. But this is talking about you, individually, on your own, in addition to your tithe, help people whenever God gives you that opportunity. Because it's like lending to God himself. Okay, next pitfall. Number five. Don't bother with saving money every month. Almost pointless, right? Just don't even bother with saving money every month. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs 13, 11. Here's what Solomon writes. He says, dishonest money dwindles away, but, I want you to underline the rest of this, he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8 says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Okay, what's Solomon talking about here? He's talking about saving money. Okay, look, just like the ant doesn't eat everything that it gathers, but instead it stores some up for winter, so you should save a little bit out of every paycheck. Because look, here's the thing. If you eat every dollar that you bring in every single month, then what's gonna happen when you don't have a paycheck? 
What's going to happen if you lose your job? What's going to happen if there's a financial catastrophe or a tragedy in your family and you need a lump sum of money? God says that the wise approach to your financial future is to save a little bit every single month. And it doesn't have to be a lot. Look, look at that part I had you underline. He who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Think about it. If you had saved 10% of your income starting five years ago, right now you'd have half a year's salary sitting in the bank in cash. If you had started this 10 years ago, and you had a full year's salary sitting in cash in the bank right now, don't you think you'd be in church today thanking God? Yes, you would. And think about it. What if you started this practice 20 years ago? 30 years ago? Some of you 40 years ago? It'd be a game changer, wouldn't it? Exactly. Look, you don't have to save 10%, okay? You can save whatever you want. But what the Bible's saying is that you should save something every single month. So do you do that? Right now, do you save something out of your paycheck every single month? Would you make a commitment to do that? I mean, in some amount, would you make a commitment? It is a sound biblical practice and a wise approach to money and to your future. All right, here's the last one. Pitfall number six is this. Ignore what the Bible says about money. Just ignore all of it. Do whatever you want to do, whatever you think is right, whatever your mama told you, whatever your grandpa told you, but just don't do what the Bible says. Here's what Solomon writes to his son. He says this, Proverbs 3, 1 and 2. He says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. See, now when I told you that Solomon had written 42 specific Proverbs that just dealt with finances, you know what most of you thought? Most people thought, no way. Well, I wonder what they are. Well, God doesn't want you to wonder what they are. He wants you to know what they are. And the good news is, is that Solomon has written them down for us. Now, some of you know from an earlier message in this series that every day I read a chapter out of the book of Proverbs. I do it every day. Months ago, before we even started putting together this message series, um, I really felt like the Holy Spirit was leading me to start logging the verses that Solomon's written that deal with Proverbs. So I, in my time alone with God, I just started logging it every day whenever I ran across a verse about Proverbs. And I actually want to share that entire log with you, all 42 verses. Now what I've done is I just have the address of the verse, and I just wrote down you know, two or three words that essentially about what that verse covers. So. I'm going to give you a chance to, you know, get that log, but when I send it to you, that's what you're going to get. So you're going to have to go look up the verses for yourself, okay? But that's a good thing, right? So you get to go look them up yourselves. But here's the deal. Don't just look them up and read them and go, huh, that'd be a good idea. Do it! Because here's the thing. If you don't do it, you're essentially ignoring what the Bible says. And here's the other thing. 
if you don't even know what the Bible says, and you don't try to know, then aren't you essentially ignoring it willingly anyway? Now look, if you get it and you know what the Bible says and you don't do it, well, I can't help you at that point. But find out what God says, and then whatever he says, do it. Okay, you need to do the things that we've talked about in this entire series. You know, you need to ask God for wisdom when it comes to finances. You need to go to war on your debt. You need to become generous, especially by tithing. You need to do all the straightforward things that we've talked about today, because when you follow God's principles for handling money, not only will you solve just about every one of your own personal financial problems, but you will break the cycle of bad financial decisions, and you'll end up not passing that stuff down on your kids. You'll set up your kids and your grandkids for financial success. And here's the deal. Most importantly, you will position yourself to where when God asks you to do something, you can say, yes, to him, because you don't have all of these financial obligations and consequences that are pulling you back and holding you down, okay? Because at that point, God has greater control of your life than your money, because you're free from so much of the control of money. And isn't that really what this is all about? About giving God more control? About making him the Lord over every part of your life, especially in the area of finances. So, find your connection card. Let's take some next steps together. Here's the first one. I will work hard, avoiding get-rich-quick schemes and not expecting others to take care of me, nor will I enable others not to work. It's a huge next step. Here's the next one. I will create and use a budget buying software if necessary. Would you do it? I will create a budget and use it buying software if necessary. Next, I commit to helping others less fortunate than myself when the Lord brings me those opportunities. Would you make that commitment as well? Here's the next one. I commit to saving a little bit of my income every month. I'm telling you, that alone could be the biggest game changer for people in this room. If you'll just start saving a little bit every month, would you make a commitment to do that? Next, send me the list of verses in Proverbs that deal with money. I will send you that entire list if you check this box. However, make sure that you put your email on the front of the card. I can't send it to you if I don't know where to send it. And make sure that you write your email legibly Otherwise, we, it won't get there, okay? So, here's the next one. I'll pray the prayer to become a genuine Christ follower today for the first time in my life. Because look, here's the deal. You can't follow God's principles until you make a decision to follow God. And you do that by asking his son, Jesus Christ, to come into your life to forgive you for everything you've ever done and then pledge to follow him from that day forward. Have you ever done that? There's a sample prayer for how to become a Christ follower at the bottom of your message notes. If you've never prayed that prayer before, I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a few moments. But check that box because I want to send you some free stuff in the mail. Two more next steps. Sign me up for a fall small group, and then there's a place for you to write the code. So 
If you haven't signed up for a small group yet, there's a small group catalog in your bulletin. Sign up for a small group, okay? Because look, that's where you're gonna make friends. That's where you're going to really get to study the Bible in depth in a dialogue situation. Look, here's the deal. Last Sunday, we set a new one-day record for people that signed up for small groups. In one morning, one morning, we had over 1,300 people sign up to be in a small group. Holy cow! 1,300 people in one morning? And that's adults, that's kids, that's youth? So look, if you haven't signed up, you or your whole family, you need to do it really quickly because these groups are getting full. And once those groups are full, you can't sign up for those groups anymore. Okay? So, which brings us to our last next step. Sign my child or teenager up for a small group, and you need to write the name of your child and then the code of their small group. If you haven't done that, do that today. Do it right now. Okay? I'm going to give you a chance to pray and ask God to help you follow through with whatever decisions you've made today. So um, right now, I want everybody, bow your head, close your eyes, everybody. And I want you to take these next moments and pray and ask God to help you follow through with the next steps that you've taken. Do that right now. Father, I want to say thank you for how practical your word is, for how how interested you are in those small day-to-day decisions in our lives. You're not interested just in the really big stuff, but really you use these small decisions to literally change the course of our future. And I pray for every family in this room that they would begin to yield their finances over to you and that you would help them break the habits of bad financial decisions and pass down biblical principles and practices to their sons and their daughters, to their grandsons, their granddaughters, and that you would use these things to bring us freedom so that we could say yes to you no matter what you ask. And bring us back safely next week to hear more. I ask you all of this in the great name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, Find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.